Good morning. Glad to have everybody with us this morning. We're going to go ahead and get started with our worship here in just a few minutes. Happy Easter to you. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we got a few more folks that are going to be coming in uh, over the next few minutes. We got plenty of seats. We added some chairs um, this morning. So uh, a couple of things. If you haven't been with us on the Easter Sunday or if it's been a while since you've been with us, uh, even though the governor changed, you know, the mask mandate for Arkansas, we're, we, we still have a mask mandate here at uh, Flagstown. So we're going to need you to keep your mask on the whole time you're with us, even while we're singing together. Um, and then we, we would prefer at least a chair between you and another family. Uh, if, if you can help us out with that, we would appreciate that. Uh, we will um, be taking communion today. And when the time comes for that, we'll have a prayer for communion. And there should be a cup uh, on your chair um, that already has the communion elements in it. So when the time comes to take communion, if you would just peel off the top lid, you can find the wafer there, and then peel off the second lid and uh, uh, drink the juice, and then we'll help get these thrown away um, after we take communion together this morning. We also have out in our lobby activity bags uh, for younger kids. So if you didn't get one, uh, you got some young ones with you and you need something to kind of keep them engaged while we're here worshiping together, we have some activity bags out there for them. And then for our Babies and really little ones, uh, we did open up um, our nursery. It's not staff, so obviously you'll need to stay in there with your child. Uh, but if you need to take a baby into the nursery, feel free to take advantage of that. That's over here just behind what's going to end up being our checkout, check-in area uh, one of these days. Okay, So I want everybody to know that. We will also have a time at the end of our worship today uh, where we will remind you of our offering that we do every single week. So... Um, you can either do that in the baskets that we have available um, in the lobby at the end of worship. If you have cash or check, you can put it in the basket on your way out the door. Or we'll have some instructions on how you can give online, and, uh, and we'll um, be glad to accept that offering as well. I think that's all the in-house stuff I need to take care of this morning. It is Easter, um, and it's you know Easter Sunday, and that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So Easter, I mean, it, it, for some of us it means, you know, candy and, and eggs and Easter bunnies, maybe new church outfits. I don't know how many different new uh, church, you know, shirts or dresses we have out there today. I remember when I was growing up, it was new Easter clothes every single sun, every single Easter Sunday. Uh, usually, uh, you know, some kind of probably like white pants and a, and a blue coat and a new clip-on tie was what I would get every Sunday. So it's also, I mean, it's springtime, right? The grass is starting to to come out again. Things are turning green. The trees and flowers are starting to bloom. Um, and so it's, it's, there's a lot of different things in our mind. Maybe you got a big meal planned for today. Maybe you got some activities planned uh, with your family today. And we just, we want you to enjoy your time and your Easter traditions or maybe even making, making some new uh, traditions and memories today. But today needs to be more than, needs to be about more than just eggs and candy and, and new clothes. We are paying attention today. We're putting a special focus today on the resurrection of Jesus, on the fact that, that Jesus uh, really did rise from the grave, that the tomb was empty, that he died and, and was raised again three days later because we recognize that a lot of our world, maybe even most of our world, especially those who don't believe in Jesus and don't believe the story of Jesus to be true, they look at the, at the life of Jesus, they read about it, and they go, okay, we can acknowledge there was this radical rabbi over there in the Middle East, and he says some pretty challenging things, and he may have even done some pretty amazing things, but then he died. He was crucified, and he died, and he was buried. And his misguided followers have been trying ever since to convince themselves and to convince other people that he rose again, and, and we just don't buy into that. 
And if that is where you are this morning, and even those of you who are joining us online, if that's what you truly believe this morning, that, that the body of Jesus is still in the tomb, that he didn't really rise again, I want you to know you're welcome. You're welcome to worship here with us. You're welcome to stay online and worship with us. And you're welcome to challenge us and, and to ask questions and to seek honest answers from us. And if that's, if that's really where your perspective is and where your heart is, I would love to have a conversation with you about that. I'd love to hear your perspective and know why that's the, just the, the story of the resurrection is a challenge for you. I'd love to, to engage with you in that. But you need to know something about the Flagstone family. We believe with all of our hearts that the story of the resurrection is true. We believe that God's word is true, and we believe that when God says in Mark chapter 16 and verse 6, when, when people went to find Jesus in his tomb, that Jesus said, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Come look at the place where they laid him. We look at those words, and we believe every single one of those words is true. That, that the story didn't end with Jesus on the cross. We believe that Jesus Christ was more than just a, a really famous prophet. We believe that Jesus of Nazareth is a son of God, that he died a horrific death on the cross, that he was actually buried in a tomb, and that three days later he rose again with power. We believe all that to be true. We choose to believe that the story of the, is, the, the, story of the resurrection is real. That... that that Jesus had the power to heal, that Jesus had the power to forgive sins, and that Jesus was given the power to rise again. We believe that he's alive. We believe that he is living right now, that he's at the right hand of the throne of God, reigning in heaven right now. We believe that one of these days, he's gonna come back for us again. So we, we want you to know as we begin our worship together this morning, for all of us to know, for those of you joining us online, we want you to know this. We want every single person in this room to know today is not about eggs and chocolate. Although those are great things. And today is, is not about getting together for, you know, a big family meal and your family activities, although we hope you get to do those things together. And today is not just about getting the right Easter pictures and, and getting our Easter clothes and our outfits on. And, and those things are great, and I hope you get to make a lot of memories today. But today is, a, is about the story about the truth of the story, that the story of Jesus didn't end at the cross, that he rose again, that he conquered Satan, that he conquered sin, that he conquered death, that he conquered hell for us, that he really did rise again, that he is providing a better life for us right now on this earth because of his resurrection and that he's coming back to get us one day. We believe that with all of our hearts. And we're celebrating that together today. So, whatever your week has been like, whatever your, I don't know, last month has been like, whatever the last year has been like for you, welcome to today. You're welcome to worship with us. You're welcome to celebrate life and hope. You're welcome to celebrate the resurrection with us today. Happy Easter. Thank you for being here. Guys.
Let's everyone stand. Hear the holy roar of God resound. Watch the waters part before us now. Come and see what he has done for us. Tell the world of his great love. Our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who saves. Let God arise. Let God arise. Our God reigns now and forever. He reigns now and forever. Arise. Let God arise. Our God reigns now and forever. He reigns now and forever. His enemies will run for sure. The church will stand, she will endure. The church will stand, she will endure. He holds the keys of life, our Lord. Death has no sting, no final word. Our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who saves. Let God arise, let God arise. Our God reigns now and forever. He reigns now and forever. Arise, let God arise. Our God reigns now and forever. He reigns now and forever. Our God is a God who saves. 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 Let God arise. Let God arise. Our God reigns now and forever. He reigns now and forever. Arise, let God arise. Our God reigns now and forever. He reigns now and forever. Let God arise. You may be seated. What a good morning. Glad to be with you guys this morning. Amen. You get to start to the day, man. <laughs> I love our praise team. I love the way they lead us. So thank you again for joining us for worship. Thank you again for joining us online. We've been going for the last, um, the last few weeks through this series that we've been talking about, this concept of things that we didn't see coming. I didn't see it coming. And, and for the most part, a lot of the things we talked about have been, can I say, like from a negative perspective, yeah. like yeah bad stuff that we didn't see coming, like hardships and troubles and debt. And, you know, last week we even talked about burnout that I wasn't ready for, and it caught me off guard. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't really ready in, for whatever the circumstances were that I went through. And it's been challenging for us, but I hope it's been encouraging and uplifting for us as well. Now, this morning, we still want to hold on to the same theme um, of we didn't see it coming, but, but kind of change the perspective a little bit and talk about like when, when something good happens that we didn't see coming. For example, uh, when I graduated from high school, I had never had my own car 
um, all through high school. And if I ever wanted to drive somewhere, I had to either borrow my mom's Oldsmobile or my dad's minivan. That was, those were my choices. Yeah. That's all I had. Or bum a ride for somebody else. So you know how cool I was You're in lucky. high school. Like yeah. how many people wanted to ride with me, you know? Um, but, but I graduated and I went on a senior trip uh, with, some, with some folks down in Florida. And when I got back in town, that following Sunday, it was after church, my family, we'd gone to church, we'd gone to eat, and then we go to this used car lot. And my parents, we kind of, I, I guess I kind of knew that we were looking for a car. I looked for a, a couple of cars, but we really hadn't gotten anything. And I was kind of thinking, man, this probably isn't going to happen. I'm going to have to bum rides off of people when I get to college too. And we go to this used car lot, and they show me this car. And they're like, what do you think of this car? I'm like, ah, you know, I'm just kind of walking around looking at it. It looks nice. You know, what? it's great. And then my parents start singing happy birthday to me because my birthday was in June. And they start singing happy birthday to me, and they pull out these keys. It's the keys to this car. And I'm like, are you serious? And I, I, like, I got a new car, and I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Like, and it was a good thing. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised, you know, by something good that happened. And so maybe there's some things that you can think of this morning, because we've been talking about this, didn't see it coming from such a negative perspective. Maybe there's some things you need to start thinking of this morning, like, that was a really good thing that I didn't see coming. And look what good came from it. I'm glad that I got to experience it. I'm glad I got a new car. Well, not a new car. New to you. New to me. That's fine. It was a used car, but it was fine. It was great. Um, and that's, what, that's kind of the focus that we want to have this morning, as we talk about didn't see it coming one more time. But this time we're going to talk about we didn't see the resurrection coming. I didn't see the resurrection coming. Now, that's kind of hard for us because the resurrection already happened. So we were reading about it, and we choose to believe that the story is true, but it's hard, like we're looking back at it. Yeah. It's not like we could have not seen it coming because we weren't alive back then. Yeah. Right? And I think for Christians, it doesn't, the, the, the resurrection doesn't really catch us off guard or anything right. either. Because <laughs> it's part you, of the story. Yeah, it's, it's part of the story. It's one of those things, I, and I mentioned this earlier, is that I don't remember the first time that I mm -hmm. ever heard the resurrection story. Mm -hmm. You know, I was being one of, one of those kids that was basically born in a pew and then all the way, you know, all the way through my adult life and everything. Every time the doors are open, I'm there. And I, I notice it because in the friends that I do have that ha haven't had that experience, the resurrection is... Is, it is surprising. Right. It is something that is, will blow you away and is something that will just completely open your eyes because it's, so, it's, like, it's like reading a book for the first time that has one of those twist endings or watching a movie that just flips everything over. Yeah, and you get to the end of it, you're like, are you serious? Yeah. yeah. And then you spend the rest of your life thinking, I wish I could watch that movie the way that I did the first time. That yeah, because now I you know. I didn't know these things. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of the same way with this of where, you know, we read it, if you read it with new eyes for the first time, and you're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. It's hard to read it back for the first time, but that's our goal, yes. right? Our goal is to, to be today. able to look at the resurrection and to, and to see to see it with new eyes, to see it, uh, for it to blow us away and for it to absolutely just knock us off our feet in the way that it did for the people the first in ancient time. times. Yeah. That's right. Now, we also wanted to start out this morning looking at people who actually were around <laughs> when Jesus did rise again and how they didn't see it coming. And, and you know, the first person, first entity, first entity, yeah. thing, entity. first one who maybe should have seen it coming but didn't, and, w and it looks like was caught off guard by it, was, was actually Satan. And if you think about it, Satan had this whole, this whole plot, this whole plan from the very beginning. I mean, when, when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, when, when God created mankind, had this design of, of mankind being in his own image and having this close connection, this intimate connection with his creation, and getting to spend all this this close time just sharing life with each other. And Satan, from the very beginning, had a different plan. Satan's plan was, I'm going to mess all that up. 
And he did. He, he caused sin to enter the world. And for centuries after that, for thousands of years after that, Satan continually kept convincing God's creation to walk away from God and buy into something else. And he kept messing up God's plan and the beauty of God's plan over and over and over again. And then Jesus comes. And it's, it's the Son of God. It's God in the flesh who comes to this world to, to connect in a closer way than he ever has before um, with his creation, become one of us. And it's an amazing plan. It's a beautiful plan. It's a beautiful part of the story. And Satan's plan is still the same. I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to mess this up. That's why he tempts him. That's yeah, at the very he, beginning, he tries to pull him away from that, yeah, which and, doesn't work. And that's work. why he ultimately says, you know what? If I can't tempt him, if the plan is for God to send his son to save everybody, kill the son, kill the plan. Right. And then everybody, this whole thing will be messed up. Yeah. And, and that's what he does. I mean, we, Satan move through this whole process of Jesus being arrested and the, all the horrific things that he went through and the, the excruciating death on the cross, that was all a part of Satan's plan too. I mean, God was allowing that to happen. Jesus knew it was going to happen, but Satan's like, yeah, let's make this happen. Let's kill the Son of God. And it looked like he had won. I mean, if you look at the disciples, they're despondent. They're running in fear, but they're also crushed you know, with despair. I don't, I mean, it's hard to imagine because the scripture says that there are no tears in heaven, but yeah. it couldn't have been a happy time around the throne of God watching his son go through what he went through and to experience death and all the heavenly beings with him. There's just this despondent emptiness and destitution and despair in the spiritual realm as well as the physical realm, except and where Satan is. Except for where Satan is, because here, man, this is the party of a lifetime. We won! This is the, the kill shot, right? Yeah. You know, human beings are doing everything that they possibly can to, you know, you know try and be good and follow God and, and have this relationship with him. And then here is the last, you know, this is it. This is how I'm going to save humanity. We killed that too. We're having a party. Yeah. We're celebrating because this is it. This yeah. is the end. He watches Jesus breathe his last breath. He watches the body be laid in the tomb. He watches the stone roll up. And you can just imagine Satan is going, yes, and he's just celebrating. And then all of a sudden, three days later, he hears an earthquake, and the stone rolls away, and life comes back into the body of Jesus, and he conquers death. I mean, that's how, that's how Paul describes it in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning verse 9, he says, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I love the terminology that Paul uses there. Jesus destroyed death. Some of your translations might say he abolished it. He obliterated it. This power that had control over all of us, this thing that, that said, no matter what kind of life you have, no matter how great it is, I win in the end. Sin and death wins in the end. And, and Jesus, through the power of God, obliterates that and completely conquers Satan. And Satan, it, it seems like, never saw it coming and was completely surprised by it. And now, the victory that he had is lost because the victory that we have is won. We serve a God that has obliterated death so that that need not be something that we fear. Right. Yeah. Okay, so there's Satan. And then the people that you know were also alive in, in Jesus' day were these Jewish leaders, the guys that kind of, I guess, Satan kind of used to, to make this whole thing happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, these, these guys who were the religious leaders of Jesus' day, and they kind of had their traditions and their laws and their rules and their regulations. They knew all those things. They had them memorized. They knew how to hold 
other people to these standards and who was not doing as well as, as somebody else and they had all their checklists that they checked all the time. And Jesus kind of challenged all of that. And Jesus came with his message of more compassion and grace and mercy and love and doing your best and knowing you're going to fail, but we're going to forgive that and keep moving forward. And that just completely flew in the face of everything that they were comfortable with. So how do we deal with this radical teacher who keeps trying to do everything different than what we've always done for hundreds of years? Snuff it out. Get rid of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and all his followers. If we get rid of him, we'll get rid of all his followers too because they're not going to want to do anything uh, to keep this going after we've already killed their leader. And so these Jewish leaders, I mean, you even see them at, like, <laughs> you even see them at the cross. You see them ahead of time at the trial. Like, maybe there are some illegal things that, that they went through, you know, kind of some shady dealings, uh, kind of some backdoor handshakes to, to move Jesus through this process of this trial and this, and this, you know, beating that he went through. And they're there at the cross, and they're thinking to themselves, done, we did it. We couldn't wash our hands. Yeah, and, and we've, we've got it. We, he's dead. Yeah. And we're his disciples. Were they at the cross? The Jewish leaders were at the cross. Were the disciples at the cross? No, they had taken off in fear. So it worked. We got rid of this radical rabbi, and we snuffed out his following too. Until these soldiers that they put in charge of the tomb to guard it and make sure nothing happened, make sure the disciples didn't come get his body, these soldiers come up and they go, hey, that guy that we buried three days ago, yeah, he's alive. Uh, it was amazing. Stone rolled. There was an angel earthquake. I was scared to death. I mean, they're telling them this story, and you can just imagine these guys that, that had assumed that it was done. It's a fair assumption, though. For sure. Because they gave Jesus into the hand of the Romans that were experts in killing. Okay, there right. was a 100% death rate right. with the crucifixion. You know, this was an art form that they had. There was, a, there was nobody that survived that. And they watched him die. They watched him bleed separately so that yeah. they knew that he was dead. They watched him get... They get saw where the tomb was. Push it in the yeah, tomb. yeah. And then the soldiers come and go, no, 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 he's alive. They, they, could, they, they didn't see it coming. They were totally caught off guard by it, totally surprised by it. So you got Satan, you got these Jewish leaders, and then you got the disciples themselves that didn't see it coming. And, and there's part of that is a little bit like, what? A, it's How, surprising that they are surprised. That they were surprised, yeah. yeah. Because they kind of should have seen it coming. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. Like sometimes I didn't see it coming even though I should have. The disciples should have seen the resurrection coming. I mean, Jesus talked about it multiple times. Now there were sometimes, there were sometimes you use kind of some weird analogies and kind of some cryptic language where he's like, I'm going to knock down that building and three days later I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build it back up again. And, and you know, if, if, I feel like if Jesus said that to me, I'd be like, okay, go knock a building down. I don't Jack understand Jesus. what that means. Yeah, but he's talking about his body being a temple. It's going to be destroyed three days later. It's going to come back to life again. So maybe there's, you give him a little bit of, of an exception there, maybe a little bit of grace that they didn't figure that part out. But look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all four tell the story of Jesus when he was here on this earth. And all four of them talk about multiple times when Jesus specifically told his circle of disciples what was going to happen. I'll give you an example. In Mark chapter 8, it's going to be on the screen. You can look on, uh, in your Bibles, your Bible apps. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. It says, he, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. And then in verse 32, it says specifically, he spoke plainly about this. Like this was not one of those analogies where they had to try to figure out the hidden meaning. 
Jesus literally spoke plainly. Here's what's going to happen. This is the plan. I'm going to die. These are the people that He's are going to die. He's pointing at them. Those guys right there yeah. are going to kill me. And when I'm dead, I'm going to come back in three days. And, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense to us, right? Because we're, we're coming from a perspective where we're looking back. We're looking and we're saying, back yeah, at Jesus it, yeah. Jesus does come back. We're looking post, you know, post all this. This, this has not happened yet for them, right? So what kind of box do we put this in? Here's the plan. I'm the Messiah, and they've already recognized that. I'm going to die. We don't have a box to put that in. Yeah. If I'm going to die, and I'm going to come back, and that's a part of the plan. Like, that's not a plan Z. This is a the plan all along. Right. This is what's happening. Well, and even said, you know, we looked at, at Mark chapter 8 here, but if you go on to the next chapter in chapter 9, Jesus says this again very plainly, <laughs> and it even says the disciples there didn't understand what he meant, but they didn't want to ask him either. Like, you don't want to come across as like, wait, what are you talking about, Jesus? Because he's already said it once, and you still don't get it. So of all the people, we've, at least you and I feel like should have seen it coming, it should have been the disciples. And yet, on that morning when Jesus rises again, you have these women who are going to the tomb. What do they have? They have spices. They have oils. They're going to, they're going to prepare this body even more uh, because it felt like it was a rush job when, when the body got taken off the cross in the first place. And that's what you do to a dead body. And then, then they come and they find the tomb empty. And they find this angel is like, hey, he's not here. He's risen. You need to go tell his disciples this. And the women go and tell the disciples. The ones who were told specifically, hey, I'm going to rise again. And they tell them. He's alive. He's, he's risen. The body's not there. And you would think that the disciples would go, hey, you know what? He said he's going to do that. Oh, yeah. You know, the, like several times he said this was going to happen. But no, what do they do? Peter and John go running to the tomb to see if it's actually true. And they go run there and they find stone rolled away, no soldiers, grave clothes on the ground. I'm like, huh. And then they go back and still it doesn't seem like it's totally sunk in yet. Because can you blame them? If this is, if we're putting ourselves in their shoes, this doesn't, even if I'm told that, doesn't make sense. For sure. How could somebody do that? So then Jesus actually shows up. Hey, I'm alive. And they actually get to see him. All of them but one. Thomas wasn't there. And they get to see him. And it's like, oh, this is really real. This is really true. And then they go tell Thomas. <laughs> so Thomas has heard, hey, Jesus is alive. And some of his best friends for the last three years are going, Thomas, dude. Thomas, he really is alive. We saw him. And what's Thomas's response? Well, I mean, we all know. He's called Doubting nope. Thomas. Yeah. Can we blame the guy? This is why I love Scripture, man, is because it's got people like me in it to where I can relate to that. Yeah. If you tell me that this guy that I have been following for three years and given my entire life for, I've left my old life to follow this guy, and he died, was crucified in front of me, and he died for three days, and that now he's back, what are you trying to do? Yeah. What do you, I'm not getting my hopes up again. If this is some kind of a joke, this is a sick joke yeah. because I don't enjoy that. And so he says very plainly, I am not going to believe until I touch the nail-scarred hands and the pierced side. Yeah. Man, Thomas could live in 2021 because that's us, right? For sure. I'm not going to believe it, especially any of this religious stuff. I'm not going to believe it unless I can, I can taste it, touch it, hear it, taste all that. Unless I can do those things. Yeah. Can we blame him? He gets a bad rap, man, but that's us. That's me. For sure. <laughs> For sure. The cool part about that, though, is that Jesus meets him in mercy. The next time that all of the disciples are together and Thomas is there with them, Jesus shows up, just appears. He shows up, and he looks Thomas in the eyes, and he says, and you have little faith. Come and, come and touch. Come and Here see. Here you go. Go ahead. Feel it. Yeah, feel but it. Here you go. If this is what you need, this is what you've got. And I can just see it in my head of Thomas slowly walking up and placing his fingers on those spots. 
And he says, he says something that's so profound. He says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Mm-hmm. He's overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. This is real. This happened. This resurrection, this happened. He conquered death and he's there. And man, don't you guys feel that? Don't you guys feel that? I just, you know, can't, can't we just see Jesus? If I could just see Jesus, I would believe. If, I could if just he would just show it, up and I could see him face to face. I would believe. Wouldn't have a problem. And what's cool is that Jesus doesn't despond those from us and say, how, yeah, how dare you say that? Instead, he responds. The message of the cross and the message of the resurrection is not a message that we reserve just for Easter. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's the only thing that Marshall could ever preach about every Sunday <laughs> and will continue to preach about every single Sunday. And with communion, that's the same thing. We look to the cross and we look at, we look at the blood that was shed and the body that was given for us and we look at it and we say, man, I just, if I could just see it, I would know. If I could just see it, I would believe and believe so much more, I could give my whole life for it. And Jesus looks at us and he says, this is, this is that, this is this moment, Thomas. He looks at us and he just says, you see, you see this bread? Do you see this cup? Every time you take it, you take it in remembrance of me. This is us putting our fingers into his side, putting our fingers into the nail holes in his hand. So as we take communion here in a moment, let us, let us be rocked by that for just a minute. Let us be rocked by that for just a minute. That our God was dead. God himself died. And we get to experience him. Not just today, but every Sunday. So as we take communion today, man, let's, let's, let us look to the cross and experience that gruesome and horrific moment. But let's look at the hope that came three days later. And as we take communion today, let our, let our hearts cry out, my Lord and my God. Mm-hmm. Let us be overwhelmed by the fact that we serve a resurrected Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you do for us. God, that you don't take our doubts and condemn us, but you take our doubts and say, let's go. Let's move. Let's go forward. And so God, as we take communion today, God, let our hearts cry out with newness, with, with, with surprise, with awestruck wonder, my Lord and my God. Let us be taken back to that moment to see how beautiful that you are. So as we take this communion, help us, help us to get into this space. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my 
is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise, your buried body began to breathe. Yours is the victory. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope, Jesus Christ, my living hope. You may be seated. So we're kind of giving the disciples a little bit of a bad rap this morning uh, for not seeing it coming. And, and okay, so they didn't. They should have. They didn't. But, but now they have. They've seen it. They've witnessed it. They've experienced it. They've seen Jesus alive. And he spends a few more days with them. And then they, they not only get to see him out of the tomb, but they get to see him taken up into heaven. He's like, I'm going to come back one of these days. I'm going to come back for you. But, but he goes up to heaven to the right hand of the throne of God. And instead of... Just saying, well, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, Jesus died and rose again. Wow, awesome. And then just kind of going on their merry way. There's something that, that 
completely changed about them. There's a transformation that takes place um, in the lives of his disciples after they've seen the resurrection, after they've experienced the resurrection of Jesus. And you see it in Scripture. I mean, I talked about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talking about Jesus and, and, and his life and his experiences with his disciples. You go to the very next book, the book of Acts, and um, you see the Holy Spirit coming on them. You see them gathered together, and they're, and they're ready to launch into this ministry. And you see in chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaching the first sermon to thousands of people. And if you've been a part of church for a while, a lot of times we look at that sermon and we kind of focus maybe more so on the end of it than anything else. We, you know, he's, he's talking, there's thousands of people hearing about Jesus and, and uh, you know, he says, hey, Jesus died, you know, and he mentions that. Um, and, and he talks about, uh, you know, or I guess the crowd says, well, what do we do now? What do we do because Jesus is, is alive now? And, and he says, repent and be baptized and uh, you know, wash away your sins. We focus on that part. But do you understand the bulk of Peter's sermon was about the resurrection? Go back and look in Acts chapter 2. He mentions miracles. He says, yeah, he did signs and wonders. He mentions it. He mentions the crucifixion. As a matter of fact, he points a finger at some of them. It's like, some of you guys were some of the ones that killed him. That'd be a little harsh. I don't know what kind of crowd response he was expecting. But, you know, he, he kind of puts it on them and says, Jesus died. Yeah, he really did die. But then the bulk of what Peter talks about from that moment on is about the empty tomb, and it's about the resurrection. He's not in that tomb anymore. He's alive now. He's been raised. And you go on to the next chapter, and, and Peter and John heal this guy that's lame. He can't walk, and they make him be able to walk again. And people are like, how'd you do that? Well, let me tell you how I did that. The tomb is empty. And that frames everything that Peter has to say about why he had power from God to be able to, to heal this man. And then they get arrested for their teaching, and they get brought before these Jewish leaders that had killed Jesus before, and were trying to stop this whole movement, and they get brought in front of them, and they tell them, don't talk about this stuff anymore. And they say, listen, the tomb is empty. He's alive, and we can't help but talk about that. That's just part of who we are now. And when you continue to read through the rest of the book of Acts, I mean, all the all the things that happen, they go from there, from being arrested. They meet back with the church again, right? And it's kind of scary. People are being arrested. Lives are being threatened. And they pray. They pray, God, we, we're scared, but we want boldness. We want to be able to continue to tell people about Jesus. We want to continue to tell people about the empty tomb. And the answer to that prayer is the room is shaken, and the Holy Spirit fills the place, and they walk out of there, and they continue in, the, in their message and their ministry. You know what their message and their ministry was? The tomb is empty. And they talk about, I'm sure, miracles, and they talk about the crucifixion, but the bulk, the focus of their message is that the tomb is empty because something changed in them, and it changed their message, it changed their purpose, it changed, it changed them. Yeah, and it changed the way that they were together, too. Yeah. And there's, there's this verse in Acts chapter 4, uh, and it talks about, with great power, the apostles are continuing to testify in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the God's, great, God's grace was so powerfully at work of them that there was no needy persons among them. That's so amazing. Not, not only are they themselves transformed, okay, this is for them, this is not some side hustle or some weekend agenda or whatever. This is their entire life. They are bleeding for Jesus, mm -hmm. right? And the cool thing apart is that there is not a needy person among them. Whenever they are completely consumed with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it, in, it affects their community in such a way that the community that they're in has no needs because they are met by them. And the motivating factor for that was the resurrection. And that's, that's the whole thing about it. When it said, okay, they, they continue to testify about what? 
about the resurrection, about the empty tomb. And they were so moved by that. What did they do with that message? They met the needs of other people. They, they began to view the world around them through the lens of the empty tomb. And so they go and meet people's needs. And there's hungry people and there's homeless people and there's lonely people and destitute people. And they are, they are going out of their way to breathe life into those dead, empty lives. Why? Because they've seen their Lord walk out of the tomb. They've seen God breathe life back into him and that has transformed them and it completely changes their whole ministry and their whole focus yeah. to their very core. And they're willing to go through any persecution they're willing to go through any amount of, even if somebody demands their whole life, and say, yeah, I serve a God that conquered death itself. So even if you take my life, I still win. Yeah. That's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, man, guess what? If I die tomorrow, great, good. If I live tomorrow, I'm awesome. good. There is no killing Christians. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do to these people that live their lives fully in awe of the resurrection and the empty tomb. And that's the whole, that's the whole thing. It's the resurrection that causes that change. Mm-hmm. It's all these people that are converting to Christianity. It's not about conversions and it's not about numbers. It's about breathing life into the lives of people around them because they've seen God breathe life back into their Savior. So what we want to do for a couple more minutes, we, we want to worship, we want to sing a couple of songs that just help focus our minds and our hearts on the, not only the presence and the protection of our God, but how that needs to transform us and who we are and how we live our lives um, on a regular basis. The-
it is that he is the death couldn't hold him that he conquered the grave that he conquered our sin and and we're going to wrap up here in just a minute but i i wanted i want to challenge us this morning because the challenge the challenge for us is not to ask ourselves did i see the resurrection coming or why didn't i see it coming because as you said a minute ago like it already happened we're looking back at it now and and we couldn't have seen it because we've already seen it. We've already read about it. We choose to believe the story is true. The question is not, 
did I see it coming? The question that we need to answer, that I need to answer for myself this morning, it kind of is a so what question. The question, you may, want, you may want to write this down. You may want to take a picture. You may want, want to look at this later and kind of chew on it a little bit. Has the empty tomb changed my life at all? Is there anything different about me because of the empty tomb? Because as we talked about just a minute ago, if you look at the disciples' lives, there was something different about them from that moment on. I mean, it's not like they were perfect. They struggled. They, they had to chew on some things, work on some things, go through some mistakes and, and, and try to do better. But there was something completely different about them, not just, not just their perspective and not just the story that they told, to their very core. There was something that was, that was transformed about them because of the resurrection. They just were not the same people anymore. And the question for us is, can the same thing be said about me? When I look at my life, if I believe that the story is true, if I claim the resurrection of Jesus to be true, has that changed my life at all in any way? Is there anything different about me because of the resurrection? Because that's what Paul challenges us with. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is going to be a little bit of a lengthy reading, but I want you to try, to try to tune into these words. Beginning in verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. And that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I mean, it's, it's just amazing words that Paul uses here. And he says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying that you, there, there's two key things here, the, the two things I want you to experience, and it's hope and power. Hope and power. Yeah. And this hope that we need to hold on to. And what I love about this is that he meets us where we are. He's like, I'm going to pray that, you, that the hearts of your, or, or that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And maybe that's us. I just, I just need my heart to be opened up again. So that I, I need can my see eyes it. open again. My eyes open so that I can see the hope that I really have. Yeah. Because we realize that this life does have a point because of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. This life does have a purpose because of the empty tomb. I no longer have to live this life that just... That just, has, that just feels like I'm just going in day out and, and years are going by and feels like there's no progression in my life, feels like nothing's happening. Instead, I can look towards the future and have hope in the present. This hope towards the future of realizing that, man, even death is not the end. Mm -hmm. Death is just a doorway to the eternal hope and love that we have in Christ Jesus. And he says, man, that's not all, because I could end with that. Yeah, man, sure, that'd be great. This, this awesome. Hope, that's great. He says, we don't just have power. It's this incomparably great power for those who believe. And it's the power that's the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God. What, what, what is that? That doesn't even make sense. The fact yeah. that we, that these believers in Jesus can have a power, that same power inside of us that raised somebody, that raised God from the dead. That blows my mind. And the fact that we see the disciples using that power not to put dominion other, on, under the people, but to use themselves as servants. That's what this power is for, for them to become a servant of all, just like Jesus did, sacrificing their lives. Every single one of the disciples, uh, except for John, lost their lives because of the cause right. of Christ. 
And so they exerted the same hope and this power that they used not to put over people, but to be a servant of many. And it's, and it's uh, I mean, you and I have talked about this before. It's, 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 it's not just kind of one of these things that they did or kind of fit into their schedule. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There was, there's, it's, it, it completely changed everything about them. Yeah. And it completely changed their motivation for all, yeah. for all the things that they did. I think, um, if we can get really real for a second, I think there's some of us, man, that there's this, there's this stale Christianity that we just can't get away from. It's, it's this walking in or clicking in every Sunday, and it's the same experience, right? We come even even with mass and distancing, it's still, it's, it, this is almost routine this now. Is, it's, it's routine now. Yeah. We sit and we listen uh, to God's word and, and, and we pray and we take communion and, 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 and we do all that and we, check, and we check it off the box and then we wait until the next week. <laughs> it's just this stale, it's this lifeless, it's this relationship that is coming all from one side. God is wooing us and saying, come on, let's go, let's live this life that I've called you to. And we're just, eh, I just don't feel it anymore. I just don't feel it anymore. Man, I've, I've said this before. Man, if Christianity is just a pastime, if Christianity is just a hobby, man, there are a lot better hobbies than Christianity. <laughs> Pick a okay? different one. Pick, go buy a boat, okay? <laughs> go learn to wakeboard, okay? Because Christianity as a hobby is the worst. Let me tell you why, okay? If Christianity is just a hobby, just this small part of your life and not something that's all-encompassing, all of your life you carry this weight of this, man, these are the things that I have to do to be a Christian and I can't do X, Y, and Z, and it all becomes this big rule book of what we have to do without experiencing the life-altering, life-giving, true life and life to the full power that Jesus has in our lives yeah. because it's just this little bit part. We're not allowing Christ to not just have this one little part, but to overwhelm us yeah. in this entire life, just like the disciples. It's like if our life is this giant machine filled with all of these cogs, and you've got your marriage, and your kids, and your job, and your finances, and, and everything else in the middle of it, and you've got the resurrection of Jesus Christ all the way down here. There's one little piece of it. There's one little piece of it, and I'll, I'll use it, and I'll acknowledge it whenever the time comes, especially on Easter. Let's make sure that we talk about mm -hmm. it at Easter and we are missing out because this is not intended to be, look at the disciples, this is not intended to be a small part of our lives, and it's not even supposed to just be the biggest cog in this machine. The resurrection is the electricity that makes the, that makes the machine go. It's the gas in the engine that makes the machine work. It is the work. engine. <laughs> it is that. It's not a part of it. It's all of our lives. Yeah. And so, man, if you're just like, uh, just, you know, this is just something that I'm doing for, you know, uh, cultural clout in my neighborhood or just saying, you know, I can check the box of saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. I do all that. <laughs> You're missing out. And Jesus isn't satisfied with that either. Right. And that's, and that's what you see in the disciples' lives. And that's the challenge for us. Again, am I allowing, as you said, the, the resurrection to be, to become part of me and to be the, the, the motivating factor. It's what moves me to do what it is that I do. And the reason that I, the reason I try to, buy, to, to be a blessing to my spouse, the reason that I try to, try to do the best job I can with my kids, the reason that I try to connect with and be a blessing to my coworkers and neighbors, the reason that I go out of my way to, to help a stranger when I recognize I need help, the reason that I, that I treat somebody with kindness when they haven't treated me that way is because of the resurrection of Jesus, because the tomb is empty, because I've seen, or I believe, that God breathed life into something that was dead. That's what God does. And I, and I believe that God breathed life 
into me when I was dead in my sins, when I was unmotivated, when I was empty, when I was destitute. And he breathed life into that. And, and I have the power to breathe that into and pour myself into somebody else's life so that they can experience resurrection power through me. It's not my power, it's his. I just get to tap into it. And it, and it frames everything. I mean, the disciples looked at the people around them no longer as Jew, Gentile, male, female, rich, poor, any of the things they used to use for those filters in the past. Now they looked at people through the empty tomb. I look at you and I see what Jesus, I see what God sees because of the empty tomb. And we're called to do the same. We're called to look at people in our lives, in our culture, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, maybe even across the table in our own families through the lens of the empty tomb. And thank God he looks at us through those same lenses. Absolutely. Because whenever we stand in front of God one day, it will not be the broken, sin-filled, nasty, can't Mistake filled things out, failure that we look at in the mirror every day. Instead, whenever we stand in front of God through the empty tomb, our God looks at us and doesn't see us, but sees Jesus Christ standing in front of him. The risen Savior that we're covered in. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, he died, talking about Jesus, he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. I'm not living for me anymore. I'm living for you. And not only am I living for you, I'm living, I'm looking at you through the lens of the empty tomb. And that's why he says, he goes on to say in verse 16, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I don't look at anybody the way that I used to. Why? Because I have been changed and transformed by the resurrection. Every single part of me, including my eyes, including how I view other people and the actions I choose to take, those are all filtered now and motivated by and moved by the resurrection of Jesus. Has the empty tomb changed my life at all? Can you see anything different in me because of what I experience because of the empty tomb? There's this hope that we have and this power that we have. And we can experience that new today. And there could be some of us in this room and some of us online that feel like that there isn't hope or feel like that there isn't a point, that there isn't a purpose, that there isn't a plan to their lives. I've talked with somebody recently that has felt like that. If you hear anything today, hear that Jesus Christ has gone through it all, even death, so that you can have life, so that you can have hope, so that you can have power. That's right. And have your sins washed away. Mm-hmm. And as we, as we sit here and we know people like that, and if you're sitting here and you're feeling like that, Jesus offers something different. He offers you a plan. He offers you a purpose. He offers you hope for the future, hope for today, and power to get through it, power to get through this life. And, and in this life, not at an end point, but a doorway into eternal life with Jesus Christ. And it's hope that carries an expectation. I mean, that's what hope is. It's not crossing our fingers and like, boy, it'd be really nice if God ended up coming back for me one day. It is, I am planning on it. I am waiting. I am, I am desperately looking forward to the day when God comes back. But until he does, I want to live my life for him. I want to wrap up with this. Um, there was a man, I, I, and I, I should have practiced it uh, between <laughs> services, but I didn't. Um, 
I'm going to try this one time, and I'm going to change his name to make it easier for me. Fran- Franceschic Gajavinizic is what I want to say. I'm going to call him Frank, okay? <laughs> That's a whole lot easier for me to say. An actual person that lived uh, in Poland uh, in the 1940s when Nazi Germany took over Poland. He ended up getting sent to Auschwitz, to the concentration camp, in 1942. And there was another, uh, obviously lots of different people that were sent there. There was, a, there was a Catholic priest that was also sent there whose name was Maximilian Kolb. And at one point while they were in Auschwitz, there was a prisoner that tried to escape. And so it was a punishment for, um, for the entire camp for this one guy that tried to escape. The commandant decided he's going to t- kill 10 prisoners. And so he just calls out just 10 random names. And Frank was one of the names that was called. And he steps forward with these other 10 guys and they say, okay, we're going to take these guys over here and we're going to kill them. And Frank just, just drops to his knees and starts crying out, I have a wife, I have children. And he's just crying out for, for his family and, and crying out for mercy. And Maximilian Kolb, this Catholic priest who wasn't called forward, he steps forward and he says, you know what, let me take his spot. He's got a family, I don't. It, you're just going to kill 10 people. Let me be one of the ones that's killed. And the commandant agrees, and Maximilian Kolb takes Frank's place and goes off with his other nine guys, and they're killed. And Frank survived five years in Auschwitz. And when he was set free, he spent the next 50-plus years telling the story of what happened that day in Auschwitz. Anytime he got the opportunity to tell people, let me tell you, let me tell you what got done for me. There's a guy that I never even met, didn't really even know, and he stepped forward and he took my place. And Frank lived to the age of 94. And a few days, even a few days before he died at 94 years old, he was still telling people the story of what someone else did for him, the sacrifice that someone else made for him. He never stopped. He would speak to different groups. He would speak for organizations. He would speak to total strangers and just say, let me tell you what got done for me. Let me tell you about the sacrifice that was made on my part. And it completely, I mean, he was married. He had kids. He lived for 50 plus years. It completely changed Frank's life. It changed who he was to his very core to be sacrificed for. Folks, that's our story. We were destined to die because of our sins, and we were destined to stay dead in our sins because there was no way to conquer death. And Jesus Christ came and said, I'm going to pay the price for their sins. Let me step in. Let me take their spot. And he did it. He went to the cross. And it was awful what he experienced. And the eternal one, for the very first time in all of time, experienced death so that we wouldn't have to. And he conquered it. And he walked out of the grave so that one of these days he's going to come back for me again. And I don't have to fear death. And I don't have to worry about it. Is there anything in my life that is different because those facts are true? There should be. Now, I'm not saying that in a guilt-inducing way. I'm challenging all of us together. I'm encouraging all of us. Let's be people who live lives, who live resurrection lives. And who see people through resurrection eyes starting today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for reminders that you conquered sin for us and you conquered death for us. And we, God, we have hope that you will be with us and bless us in this life. And we have hope that you are coming back for us one of these days. Don't ever, we don't ever want to let go of that. 
Help our eyes to be open to see that hope and to hold on to it and also to tap into this power, God, that you've given us, the power that you use to raise your son from the grave, you give to us. God, give us, give us a willingness and a, and a, and a, a courage to, to grab a hold of that power and pour it into the lives of others, to use the power you've given us to bless other people. God, we trust and we believe We believe you when you say, I'm coming back one of these days. And we celebrate that now. And if anybody in this room or online wants to to grab a hold of that power and that hope for themselves, God, I pray that you would move them to share that with us today so that their lives can be changed, so that they can live resurrection lives as well. And I pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. There's a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is over Many angels 
What a great morning. Glad to have you on the video. We had two uh, full services. Uh, the lesson was great both times, except for poor Frank. He botched the name on the first one, too, both times. So it's a great story. We'll work on the name there, but it's good. No, great to have everybody. Exciting. What a great uh, day to remember the cross, remember the resurrection. And if with you're here joining us, we want you to enjoy that day. But also don't forget... Uh, if you've got to walk in for the first time in a while, the building is making progress. We're excited. That means classes are going to be soon. The children's worship, uh, worship center should be up and running soon. So we're making progress. Get to our website. Get to the uh, on the Internet. Check all that stuff. We'll try to keep you informed in the loop. Our guests, we really want your information. We want to be able to reach out to you. Uh, let us know and fill that card out. Uh, you can do that on our website or in the back of the back. But great to have all y'all. Uh, one other quick announcement. Uh, the Luke and Ashley Jackson are new members, and they also have Ella and Avery. Wave over there. Good to have them. And in case I missed it early, don't forget, uh, we don't do the giving, of course, uh, during the service, but you can always give online or leave a check in the back and we appreciate that. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, just thank you for uh, giving us a wonderful morning. And thank you for uh, letting us uh, know that the world is focused uh, on you, on that resurrection, on that cross today. And what a great uh, thing for us to remember. Uh, I'm thankful that we're able to, uh, uh, to make you the part of our life, as they were talking about in the sermon. And, and we want you to help each one of us make you our whole life. And Father... We just thank everything you've done for us. We thank you for the time to let our families and friends come together. We thank you for what you're doing at uh, Flagstone uh, as we get ready to uh, move on to a new year and a new time and to have you at our lead. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen.
One thing we ask of you, one thing that we desire, that as we worship you, Lord, come and change our lives. Arise, 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 take your place, be enthroned on our praise, arise. King of kings, holy God, as we sing, arise, 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 arise. One thing we ask of you, one thing that we desire, worship you. Lord, come and change our lives. Arise, 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 take your place, be enthroned on our praise. Arise, King of kings, holy God, as we sing, arise. Happy Easter, everybody.